Hello there, and welcome back. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, one after the other, and I know we do have some really quite, we've got at least one dedicated fan who can't get enough of us, um, and uh, and you know maybe listening listening to this back to back. So welcome back um, to uh, Cyber Warrior Princess number eighteen. I think it is Beck. It is indeed number eighteen, and I know that because I still have echoing in my head the 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 despair of not quite remembering seventeen. So. <laughs> It was a good start, though. It was a good start. And actually, I think maybe we should have a tradition. You know, like everybody's been clapping for the NHS. Um, You know, maybe on the anniversary of episode number 17, we're duty bound starting a tradition to start the podcast going, ah, I don't know what number it is. (laughs) So what's the anniversary of 17? I mean, is it 34? Is it some other numerical equation? I don't know. What's the anniversary of that? What's the square of 17? Oh, Jesus, Vic. <laughs> you know who might know? Professor I, Daniel Dresner might know. Yes, I might know what the general. square of 17 is. You, you yes. don't, you've never seen my maths results. Listen, you're talking to the guy who managed to get a, a, a physics degree without uh, doing the maths. You say that, but yeah, honestly, I think at, at a certain point in your life, I wager that you had a calculator watch. Uh, no, but I still do have my Commodore, uh, you know, red LED calculator in a drawer. <gasps> That's a thing of beauty, isn't it? I know. Now, we, now, now, Danny knows that I'm quite partial to a trim phone, and uh, a trim phone. Beck, I don't. I'm, you probably didn't have these. You probably had Bell Telecom phones or something like that. But um, so over here. In the 70s, there was a beautiful thing called a trim phone. Google it. You will see. They're very, very um, very worth quite a lot of money if you can get them still to work these days. Um, but, but Danny, I was harping on about trim phones the other day, wasn't I? Well, and trim phones. Trim phones were used in Doctor Who, despite the fact that they'd been around for a long time, because they were seen to be the thing of the future. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the very first Whovian reference in this podcast. But it won't be the last. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Beck, as usual, we're getting off topic, but I am going to take a little bit of a back seat because um, Danny and I have been up to no good um, over the last few days. And so I'm going to ask you to be um, chat show interviewer, if you don't mind. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into the role of interviewee. Brilliant. And I, well, hope, I hope you've got some very, very tough questions for us. Uh, very, very insightful. And I, I hope that you're both ready to sweat because there is going to be some heavy duty brain work attached to these questions. Um, is, the is first that question. insightful with a C or with an S? <laughs> Always with a C. Come on, Danny. <laughs> I know you follow me on Twitter. Surely you've seen. No, I'm not insightful at all. Don't be crazy. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, I'm very interested to learn more about what the two of you have been getting up to because, to be quite frank, you've been very coy this whole time about it. And um, I, I think it's because you've been saving it so that we could talk about it on the podcast. And so, yeah, I think, first of all, we should start with just, you know, a high-level overview of what's been going on in the lives of Dr. Victoria Baines and Denny Dresner. Professor Dresner, over to you. Right. Oh, gosh. Right. Well, where to start? Actually, I suppose this starts for me back in 2008 when the famous child benefit discs went missing and everybody suddenly started getting interested in information security. And I got a call from Computer Weekly and they said, uh, well, I suppose you're not going to hire the person who lost it. And I said, no, that's exactly the kind of person I'm going to hire because they've been through this experience and they know how to react uh, when things go wrong. So this has been something which has been, I suppose, under the radar for quite some time. So in these days when we realize, yeah, we should and can and will do all these protective stuff, how do we react when bad stuff happens online? So how how are we actually able to cope with these cyber harms which we are likely to suffer and are likely to make worse for ourselves if we don't react to them in the right the right way. And there's nothing like, I believe, in cybersecurity, really, uh, you know, taking it on, on 
board as a, as a community effort. You know, nobody knows how to handle this stuff all by themselves. So you've got to look at kind of what happens either side of the screen with the hardware and the software and the actual business processes and you know, just the whole thing. So it's, it's a coming together. How do you get the right people together? And some time ago, um, a chap called Sir Edmund Burton, who runs a, at the time, chaired an organization called the Information Assurance Advisory Council, uh, said that I should have a word with this guy called Nick Poncillo at the University of Chester, who's a creative learning expert. Uh, and we sat down, had a coffee, and within five minutes, we put down this idea of having uh, an exercise where we have, you know, you know the usual suspects of cybersecurity people. Um, but more importantly, we have teachers, uh, parents uh, and children, you know, the whole community that gets online to actually exercise them because they're all the kind of people who are going to interact. Uh, and we did this last year in, in Chester uh, in a big hall and they dealt with a, 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 an online attack on a school. Uh, and this year, of course, we were going to repeat the success uh, and then something or other, can't quite remember what it is, uh, actually meant that we couldn't meet up uh, in a school. So we had to move it online um, and realize that a little bit like, I suppose, like homeopathy, one way to deal with incidents and learn how to cope on the internet is giving people a safe environment where you can emotionally inoculate them with those bad things so they can deal with them when they happen, or better still, spot the warning signs, but not just mm. themselves, to help others as well. And and to and having a safe space to make mistakes as well without there being any real life consequences. And and I should say, so I got involved, Danny, you you very kindly, you and Nick, who, as you say, hello Nick, is um a creative learning legend. Um so you invited me along to Chester last year and I came in to do a little talky bit and I inevitably did a talky bit on VR and AR and the blurring of cyber and physical. But I, I must admit it was a, a singular experience for me and unique at the time in that, you know, I, I go and talk, I do talky bits at conferences all the time and I stand up in front of people in suits and, um, you know, people who've grown ups who've come for a day out um, and I think this is the first time in a very, very long time or the first time that I could remember that I was standing up in front of a community with all age groups. And it wasn't just about talking to kids with their responsible adults there. We were t everybody was there on, a, a, on the same level, if you like, a level playing field of engaging with the issues. Um, and I came away from that event thinking, yeah, firstly, I want to be more involved in this. And secondly... Wow, that's really cool to have kids, uh, well, young people sharing their expertise with adults and their teachers, and to a certain extent also challenging some of the preconceptions of, of their parents and teachers. And for me, that was what kind of really made this a, a special event. So, um, Danny, tell us about um, what the event's called and um, how it all went this year. Right. Well, we called it uh, right from the beginning, Save the World, brackets Wide Web. Uh, on the basis, and this is me, sorry, got to be a bit Jewish, but there's an old Jewish phrase saying, if you, if you save a life, you save the world. On the basis that from that life that you save, you're going to have so many, you know, families, uh, communities, you know, through time will be as a result of that one of that one person. So what could be um, richer and better than involving children who are the, I think it was yourself actually said, are going to be the people who are going to be looking after us uh, when we're older and, on, uh, and online? Then... Oh, my gosh. I never even thought about that before. My kids are going to be responsible <laughs> for my digital capabilities. That is frightening. It's one thing. Because you're going to you, you're, you're gonna be out of touch, back. <laughs> oh, sh I can't. I can't even right now. No. Mm -mm. Nope. Okay. We're going to have to send more children to your thing, Danny. I need to know. I'm going to have to have instructions. My kids need this information. <laughs> well, you, you may well be pleasantly surprised because, I mean, last year and, th and this year as well, I mean, last year particularly, um, it was a wonderful surprise because 
I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I maybe this maybe I'm seeing myself as a child. I thought the the uh, the young people would be sitting there, you know, with folded arms, pursed lips, looking at their watches, wondering when they're going to, you know, be able to go home. It's but almost they like didn't. you know children. Ah, well, not these children. They 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 picked it up. They got involved. They started, you know, going sifting through because what we do, we we feed. Uh, and we did this online and we did this in the hall in Chester last year. We feed them with intelligence packs uh, of information uh, around a scenario, uh, some of which is red herrings, you know, some of which is genuine, some of which is tenuously connected together. So they have to find their way through what's going on, identify where the threats are, and then go ahead and actually deal with them. Uh, and these young people absolutely took it to heart. They were, you know, they were taking out the post-it notes and the washi tape and um, <laughs> building crazy walls. Uh, and this year as well, I mean, I was putting the scenario together with colleagues from BAE Systems and GCHQ, uh, and I was starting to think, no, they're not going to get this. You know, it, it, I was worried of it being like the worst sort of mystery uh, Agatha Christie type of novel because we, we, we sort of bill it as a, a cross between an online exercise and a whodunit. But mm. I was really worried about it turning out like a really badly whodunit where a new character the, a new character is introduced on the very last page and it turns out it was none of the other 10 people in the uh, in, in the mansion, but there was Colonel somebody Ketchup? kind of hiding. Who's Colonel yeah. Ketchup? Ex exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly that kind of problem. Um, but they they start they they seem to be have very healthy natural suspicions about what was going mm. on right from the beginning. Uh, you know, they, they they were alert, not alarmed, but they were alert. What kind of incidents are you hitting them with? This is what's intriguing me. Like, what what are you pegging their tiny little brains with to get them to get all intrigued and interested in it? Okay. Well, last 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 year, uh, last year we went for a uh, we went for a school which came under cyber attack, which was actually part, a whole part of a diversion uh, of a a larger uh, a larger exercise. I probably don't want to go into too much detail, just in case we want to rerun the scenario. In fact, actually, yeah, don't don't spoil the surprise yeah, for goodness sake. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> last year we actually, uh, and I just thought GCHQ would not want me doing this. Uh, we actually put out papers <laughs> on the table. Um, titled not the real official secrets act and ask them to sign you know just uh, as a gesture of goodwill that they wouldn't blurt out the um blurt out the solutions to and the, the plots to their friends um uh, but, I mean, but that was challenging enough this year we really actually took on quite a risk but within a very controlled and safe framework to talk to children or sorry not talk to children or involve uh, children and young people in two scenarios uh, one where a child was being led into online uh, grooming for sexual exploitation uh, and the other was being misled and uh, sort of taken in to the uh, web of intrigue uh, in an online conspiracy cult oh wow uh, heavy yeah. duty stuff well, it, it was, um, but this is uh, this. I mean, um, maybe Vic, do, do you want to talk about how we, you know, made sure that this was safe? Because mm. you had, yourself and some of your connections, I'm thinking, obviously, Tink and uh, Marie Collins yeah. Foundation. So, so, um, so, I think the first thing to say about how the scenarios were constructed is that uh, Danny, you have built them very cleverly, so that it's not about shock and awe. Right. It's not. It, and, th and this is something that I actually said to the participants um, last week is, you know, this is not your average Internet safety talk because no one's going to talk at you and tell you to think a certain way. Um, and because the participants are in the role really of the jobs that you and I have done back, you know, it, it puts the young people in the role of intelligence analyst of, of threat analyst right right and and says and it, it reminds me a lot of my um job interview when i went to join surrey police and they gave me a, a massive dossier of intelligence and said right you've got 40 minutes tell us what you think is going on here and who you think is up to it and what we need to do about it you know it's that thrill of right there are loads of clues in here what am i going to find rather than you know someone scaring the life out of you and making you feel like you're not capable of dealing with this situation. And, and really also, I think, putting the young people in the role of 
uh, defenders of their friends, defenders yeah, of their younger yeah. siblings. So because it's happening to, um, you know, a, a graphical character, because there is a fictional character that it's happening to, it doesn't feel like they're, the, you know, the participants themselves are being attacked. So right. I think how the scenarios are constructed are really, really important. Danny, I think you've also done a great job because you haven't laid it on too thickly. You haven't um, necessarily appealed to their emotions and made them scared. You haven't made them feel that they are at risk. And I think this is really important. That's something that, um, you know, I've, I've, I don't think I've seen many, um, you know, programs for young people that make them feel so capable and, and so powerful well, in what it's what it sounds like is that you're you're really teaching them i mean maybe without them really understanding it but you're teaching them how to take control of their online interactions and behaviors so rather than feeling like things happen to them they're responsible for the things that they interact with and the situations that they create and and they maybe understand it in a different way through this exercise it sounds like yeah, but also recognizing that if they make a mistake or they do something that they then regret, that it's not the end of the world as well, right? So, right. Um, and so Danny was mentioning about um, Tink and the Mary Collins Foundation. Um, so, the Mary Collins Foundation has been set up um, expressly to support young people who have been victims of sexual exploitation, but specifically online. So, Tink and her colleagues, they work directly with young people. Um, who have been in that situation. And, you know, you think about that and you think, oh, that's a horrific situation. But there's also, you know, some practical implications. And one of the reasons why I take issue with law enforcement, as much as I love them, is that they will talk about children being rescued, Mm. children being rescued from sexual exploitation. Yes, that's the start of the process of rehabilitation for young people because if they've had a bad experience online, they might never want to go online again. Mm-hmm. They might think every time they go online, they're going to be victimized or that they will see images of them that they never wanted to be in circulation, you know, things like that. So what Tink and her organization do is they train all of the specialists like social workers, law enforcement around the world as well, not just in the UK, how to respond appropriately to young people who've been victimized and to give them um, the support that they need. But their organization is also the ear for um, young people who've been in that situation, you know, from a child rights perspective to make sure that that young people are heard when it comes to policymaking, when it comes to drawing up legislation like the, the online harms, you know, regulation that may or may not be uh, coming into force in the next couple of years. Um, so actually being the voice of, of those young people. And um, Tink and one of her colleagues very, very kindly um, offered to observe to be in each of those scenarios so that if a young person was feeling troubled or upset by what they were seeing or something resonated with their personal experience, something, you know, had been brought to the surface, that there was someone trained to support them in that space. And we had we had the safeguarding as well, didn't we? Yeah, and we even had on, on hand uh, a qualified therapeutic counsellor, uh, you, know, you know, because we realised this could, you know, be the time where somebody playing through the scenarios suddenly thinks hang on that happened to me or had mm-hmm. known full well that it had happened to them and this is the time that they just can't take it anymore i mean mm-hmm. one of the interesting things we learned at the um, we just recently did a um a module for our undergrads um about uh, everything from cyber, uh, fake news to cyber criminals and one of the modules on there is about things like stalking and we realized we had to allow some people not to take that module, not to actually have to do the coursework for that around that, that part of the course because they themselves had suffered. And so, yeah. so we oh, needed, we yeah. needed to, to be able, and this is the whole inoculation thing, isn't it? You don't want to give somebody so much of the disease that it actually kills them. You need to be able just to give them just that uh, amount that they realize. And I think, I mean, just thinking this through, actually, I think it's quite ironic that a lot of the, I mean, there's a lot of very good advice, but a lot of the people's approaches, um, you know, going through the kind of you know, the scary thou shalt not, or this is going to happen, uh, you know, it's almost a certainty, et cetera, et cetera. Trying to scare kids um, is 
almost, well, it isn't almost, it's actually mimicking the technique of some mm-hmm. groomers because talking to some of the uh, some of the colleagues from GCHQ and uh, BAE Systems who we worked on on this, uh, there's this thing called hero technique where somebody will come along and say, look how horrible everybody else is. So this person uh, then seems to be the hero to the young person. The young person, of course, cleaves to the hero. And of course, that's all a technique to trick the young person into liking them and leading them into a, a false sense of trust and you can imagine what goes on actually after that. So this business of scaring children and then I'm here to save you sort of stuff is actually ironically using the techniques uh, of, 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 the, of the bad people. So this was really, really important to us to give this, I know it's a terribly overused word, the sense of empowerment to realize people have got the, have actually got the, have actually got the skills uh, within them, you know, to give them those little nudges, those little ideas, uh, those, li- those little cue, clues that they can start to build up. I mean, it was only one afternoon, but hopefully it'll have got them thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you take the, the output from that, Danny? So once I guess you sort of finish the day, or do you have a way of helping to understand where the children go from there or where the people supporting them go from there? Or I guess what, what do you take in terms of output from something like that? Because you must have just an enormous amount of amazing sort of feedback and information that you've gleaned through those sessions yourself. Uh, we have, and it only happened on Thursday. <laughs> and, yeah, and so uh, we, we, I mean, we are start. I mean, we are starting to sift through this. Um, we, we're starting to look at this. I mean, one of the nice things was, you know, uh, we we had uh, um, young people and t- their teachers saying, "This is great. Can you come and do it for our school?" Yeah, it was lovely because because it was a, an online dashboard. So I mean, it looked like a a multiplayer game. And it had, you know, fantastic, it had a chat window. And it was so lovely when I was talking or when they were chatting through the scenarios, I would see like these kind of feverish comments saying, can you come to our school, please? And I realized that those weren't young people, those were teachers. You know, it was, it was, it was kind of thrilling to see that really, wasn't it, Danny? Well, absolutely, because you know it, it's this community side of stuff of suddenly realizing, you know, that there are better ways of doing things. You know, it's not leaflets and posters on the wall. It's actually being uh, the ability to engage uh, in as close to life uh, of these situations. Because you know, it's only the person who's lost those discs. It's only the child who's been, you know, in that uh, in in that situation. You know, you know, thinking of public information films, who has actually been pulled out of the water alive will be a little bit more careful the next time it's how do you get those messages over that uh you know because you you you, you look at the lake and you think oh well yeah i'm a good swimmer i'm going to be all right uh, out of that but of course if you've just gone slightly out of your depth but in a safe in a safe way uh, that that means that means a tremendous a lot Hmm. well then and what was what was brilliant, Beck, as well, when you said about outcomes, one of the huge outcomes for me were the number of people on the chats or asking questions who were saying, so how do we get to work for GCHQ? Yes. <laughs> and, and it was so, so you know, what, what could have been a really flat 2D internet safety input was also, it had that feeling of, you know, um, cyber first about it and about of the kind of the, the cyber challenge, sorry, um, exercises where it, you know you're pitting your wits against the bad guys in front of people from GCHQ and they might there might be talent spotters and you know <laughs> this, this was the other thing this was the other thing this was, and this was very very important you know we, we weren't looking for the kind of the cyber first you know cyber security types we wanted the people uh, on the sort of the intelligence analysis the you know the 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 online the um what's the word the um to the ecosystem against the online harms this other side of the of stuff that gchq is doing you know, you know against crime against slavery against against the drugs gangs we're looking for the generation who is going to be able to feed into that side of um you know general community safety you know without having to uh, necessarily 
be in on that kind of technical uh, element because there, you know, there, it's, it's a community system. So, you know, in the same way that, you know, well, for want of a better term, GCHQ proper works with the, the National Cybersecurity Centre. Uh, it's the, yeah, it's that collaboration of skills that we want to be able to enhance and, and to actually build on. And without wanting to get too political, um, I feel you know it's very very important because and you know legislation and regulation only goes so far. Uh, you know, and often will only help people after the event. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so important to have people ready to go safely into those environments. And not everyone will become intelligence officers, but they might be there to ready their friends. Or as I always say, I mean, one of my, one of the ways that, that I work is to try and always promote a fifth column. Now, obviously, you know, I, I teach hardcore cybersecurity at the University of Manchester. <laughs> now, I am not... I have no illusions that you know that out of the 60 or 70 we have in a in a class that they're all going to go out and and spend the rest of their lives working in cybersecurity um and actually I had a little bit of an argument some years back with one of my colleagues who basically said we needed to put uh, stronger entry criteria on because we you know we could have smaller classes um and I said, well, the problem with that is that we'd only get the, you know, the really dedicated cybersecurity people, which is great, but we'd lose the kind of people who would be out there and might just make that right decision that could save thousands, could save their organization, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, could save their community uh, and the like. So I'd rather, pe- you know, I don't want to fail anybody, but I'd rather people came on and maybe not benefited in the same way that somebody wanted to make a career out of it. Hmm. Well, and that ties to something I was going to ask while ago, because one of the things that I keep harping on about is I think we need to push more and more hands on learning of this type into school systems, because I think we need children to learn what that looks like, to learn, you know, how to, I guess, feel or or deal with those kind of experiences. And to the point that it sounds like you guys are making with this whole effort to to get them to, to have the analytical thought processes around that. And so being able to do that from a younger age seems like to me, surely it would then encourage even more people into the university courses, even if it just became, um, um, uh, what do you, <laughs> I've been out of school for so long. What's it called when you take a course that's not mandatory for your degree? I <laughs> uh, op- op- optional, uh, elective. Yeah. It's a posh word, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. That's what I was trying to think of. Uh, yeah, they t- even if they were to take it as an elective course, you know, that would be brilliant, at least if people had learnt about it maybe in school, uh, in, in, in younger school, and then, you know, felt compelled to check it out because maybe they thought it was cool, you know, and, and then we get folks that have those experiences and have that knowledge. And then when we're looking at something like, I don't know, the next um, F5 um, horrible traversal issue, you know, 20 years from now, <laughs> maybe we'll have more small to medium sized businesses that don't have to have that, you know, cybersecurity expertise on board to be able to understand the serious ramifications of that issue. And they can actually help the business respond in a timely fashion. I'm getting ahead of myself there. Sorry about that. <laughs> No, <laughs> not at all. It, it's the basics. I mean, we talk about you know building security in security by design, but I'm afraid most of the time we're talking about the the technology of the system. We're yes. not looking about the people, um, sis, you know, people as part of the system. We're not looking about the people technology uh, symbiosis. Uh, you know, and all we're doing is hammering people, saying, "Be aware, don't click on this." Yeah, yeah. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, and again, it's something that I think we're latching on to uh, more and more, obviously, as we see more and more issues with it. But as our young people have spent more and more time online in particular, um, and it fascinates me from uh, the, the whole process of, of learning up, uh, learning and growing up with the technology. Um, what is it, you know, really the, the kids, I guess, nowadays are the ones that are growing up with this technology. Um, so they they have to have it embedded and we have to figure out how to help them embed it as they go forward. Uh, so, yeah, it's fascinating. And, you know, we've we've talked for quite a long time in law enforcement over the last 10 years about um, having cyber special constables. Right. And that's something that that has happened in the UK, but it's it's taken a while to, to come on board. And I think what I'm really, really hopeful about and I feel very positive about is that, you know, we have the ability in the generation of people who are in their teens at the moment and are just coming through, you know, the 11 to 16 year olds right now, that there could be a larger cohort of young adults 
who would be capable of doing, say, voluntary work or um, part-time work in cybersecurity, um, rather than it having to be, I mean, we've talked, haven't we, ad nauseum about um, STEM pipelines and, you know, recruiting backlogs and skills shortages. You know, I think we do need to consider rather than, you know, fully staffing all of these technical roles all the time with people who've got computer science degrees, you know, maybe maybe the more we can inoculate the next generation of, of young people, the more there can be people who, you know, do a completely different day job, but spend a few hours. It's kind of relevant, I suppose, to the to the last episode that we did with Stu, you know, about kind of doing um, doing OSINT um, out of hours, those kinds of things. Yeah, you know, we've yes. got those opportunities to skill people up to to not do it all the time, if you like. But we have to figure out how to make it so that it's accessible to them and it's an easy job for them to be able to get the foothold into. It needs cybersecurity and an entry into cybersecurity needs to be the equivalent of an, a McDonald's job for a secondary uh-huh. school student. You know, we yeah. need for instead of these students looking, man, you know, I need a part time job after school. Yeah, go down to Mickey D's or whatever. We need them to be going to some cybersecurity job center somewhere and yeah, basically checking in, you know, to do their three or four hours a week or whatever it is they can do. Think of the amazing opportunities. I mean, I guess it's great. We're training people how to run cash registers and take orders and clean up shops and things like that. But how amazing would it be if we could extend those same opportunities at that age? Well, some of it might just be actually just being themselves. I mean, you know, when you look at, uh, I mean, one of the other things I, I, I teach uh, at the university is uh, is governance. And one of the things that uh, we use a, an international standard. I, I didn't. I wasn't expecting to quote standards numbers. Yes, you were, Danny. Listen, it's uh, only second to Doctor Who standards numbers. Um, uh, ISO IEC three eight five hundred, which basically talks about you know all the way from look if you're going to build something, at least assign the responsibilities. But it goes all the way through and, and says, look, just think about human behavior. Don't have people turning up for work uh, on Monday morning to find a new system on their screen. You know, involve the people who, who are going to use it in its development. You know, account for all that human behavior, uh, whether, it's, whether that's talking to the unions or talking to individuals. And this is the same with young people as well, because you know, all of a sudden we create these new these new games, etc., and then we find some you know some well, uh, it's cliche isn't it? Some whiz kid finds some way to use it in a way that we had never thought. Well, if those young people who are using things in ways that we had never thought were involved in that design process in the first place, just to be asked, they don't necessarily need to be you know coming in to do the you know the. Um, Really, you know, low-level technical cybersecurity stuff. Just to involve them, to you know, ask them what they want, what would they do if they had that kind of system? Getting that kind of dialogue going. Uh, you know, the, there's a an intel. Oh, I think it's the term isn't it? Intelligent user. I think they use it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of intelligent user, uh, you know, role uh, uh, in the design and the creation of systems. Oh, hello, so, lost the, you. Hello, am I back? Yes, you're back. <laughs> you said you said intelligent user, and then went fell silent. Ah, uh, right, yeah. Well, well, well yeah. Well, you see, even even sitting even sitting here uh, in in Manchester, just doing a sound thing, uh, I'm still talking with my hands. Yeah, it's, it, it's... yeah. I do I do that all the time. And actually, actually, Danny, I'm sat here with my ISO Bingo scorecard. Oh, yeah, um, and I and. And now, after your appearance, now I'm just holding out for 27,001. I thought we said we weren't going to use any bad language. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a swear cast. Come on. (laughs) we're down to the ethnic bit you see, you see you've got to think about the poor law enforcement officer who took the Jewish fella to court uh, and the guy gave a beautiful exposition as to why he was innocent and the arresting officer went up to him and said excuse me why didn't you tell me that when I arrested you I, you know, I would have let, let you go straight away and he said I couldn't do it then you'd handcuffed me <laughs> oh no <laughs> 
I was going to make a serious point. I'm sorry. I know it doesn't happen very often, but because because Danny's going to be very modest about this, but I am because I was brought in as the MC. I'm allowed to be overexcited about it, right? And, and one of the things that was absolutely fantastic, you know, we we've kind of described it in a way that doesn't sound very technical, haven't we? But we did have our technical young people on this on these exercises, and honestly, to see somebody in in front of you like a a, um, a a young teenager um, parsing a URL and saying, oh, somebody's replaced the letters with the numbers here. And actually that's not spelt quite right. And it doesn't look entirely legit. And why am I being directed to a dot .ru domain? Yep. That's, no. you know, and it was just amazing to see these things. That was wonderful. I mean, I dropped that in because it's the sort of thing that people are ham- is hammered out to us in all our, you know, all the PowerPoint that's thrown at us. Uh, and of course, nobody but nobody really remembers under pressure. And I just thought, well, I, I suppose, you know, let's make this look realistic. And I dropped it in there when, when putting some of these screens together. Uh, and yeah, my jaw just dropped when they started talking about that. And it was one because you know you start these things and you think well what happens if nobody engages nobody talks um, mm-hmm. and uh, if, if anything I always wanted to shout hello remember me I was going <laughs> to play this too. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what it's, Danny I did actually think about that a number of points in the day because you weren't up front you know so quite often you're there and you're you're um you know the, you're you're the, you're the MC you're on thing. I, I see you you're talking about sides of mouth here now yeah. No, no, no. You're you're normal. You're normally up there doing the MC and saying, right, you're going to go in this room and you're going to go in that room. When everything's online, yes, I had exactly that moment that you had, which is right. And now we're going to start the scenarios. And we had some fantastic um, facilitators um, with Emma and, and Catherine. So you know, we we knew we were safe. But you have that first moment of, so what does everyone think about this? And yes. then there's just kind of dead air. <laughs> and you can't see anybody who's participating. So, you know, what, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden people started popping up. And, you know, to have to have young people with a healthy sense of suspicion, I think we're sometimes led to believe, aren't we? Oh, well, you know, kids, they're so innocent. They, they overshare all the time. They don't really know who they're dealing with and they don't seem to care. They're not, they don't check. You know, this this really gave the lie to that because, it you know, we were getting people coming on audio and people coming on the chat saying, you know, I'm not sure she's who she says she is. And, and then, you know, and those were the moments where you think, yes, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. It was wonderful. And also, I mean, as, as well as the, uh, I suppose, the social facilitation, uh, I have to give a shout out to Rosita, who was behind the scenes, keeping keeping the Wi-Fi connected to the uh, to, to the platform and you know shoving people from room to room yeah. uh, on, on call when people dropped off and had to get back in uh, you know plus of course she was there from the technical point of view because you know if uh, we had had that situation where we had had to um uh, call in our, our 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 support people you know um uh, people like tink and and rachel uh she had to be on the ball ready to you know to make sure mm-hmm. that child was able to you know you know to disclose um you know their worries uh, very privately uh and to know that that they had the the support you know without all of that going on uh you know there was a kind of there was quite a lot of you know stuff going on behind i mean it was absolutely one i mean the Weeks coming up to me, it really took over. I mean, the the the. I mean, everybody talks about meetings, you know, meetings, bloody meetings, and all of that. It used to be the uh, the famous video, um, but we had so many online sessions together. You know, people putting in ideas and what about this and have you thought of that and why don't I do the other and people coming forward. The uh, this as a, an event to help kind of educate and make and and build the community but the community there was actually quite a, a str- wonderfully strong um uh, what's the word um when what's the word when you give something to something uh when you you donate um not beneficial beneficent benefactorial christmas. is it christmas <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like christmas 
whatever, whatever. There was a there was a great community of people behind the scenes who mm. were, who were just falling over each other to uh, you know to actually give and donate and you know give their give give their time, give their ideas. And I think that again, that's one of the reasons why it worked so well. So it was almost like I I'm wondering whether it's another uh, effect of I of um, I, I, I see life is just as just one big display of bow ties uh, in as much <laughs> don't you though the answer to your next question it's tonight it's a cravat and it's lilac um, but the uh, the bow tie you know you start at the wide side and like yeah that's like that's really why what am i going to do with that i can't handle all of that material uh, and you you get into the you get into the knot in the middle and it's firm and you and you you get it nicely tied and having concentrated on that knot then you can start opening up again towards the other side and applying that little bit you've learnt in the knot or you've got together and cracked the problem and apply that as your methodology as your system of working together and I think that's really what happened when we, we, we came, started coming together originally with uh, you know, ourselves and uh, uh, yourself Vic and Nick and GCHQ and you know there was a lot of I suppose um, um, conceptual dancing around the handbag as we got to know each other oh, there were lots of lovely ideas lots of lovely ideas and then and then the inevitable right so who's going to do that yes <laughs> well and now i know why i can't tie a, a, a bow tie so there's that <laughs> do you not do you do you, do you not self-tie back uh, yeah, but it's bloody hard, and apparently I, I know why. I'm not I'm I'm not going through this full process. I need to look at the width of it, and then to struggle through the knot, and then to open up to self knowledge. <laughs> you know what the secret is. You know what the secret is. I don't know what I don't know what it is, but I always find just when you get to the tricky bit, if you close your eyes and don't look in the mirror. Oh, that's just a recipe for disaster. Ooh, I'd fall it. over. <laughs> <laughs> That is just honestly. If I'm not looking in a mirror most of the time, people think I'm vain, but I've just got really bad balance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that's sorry, Beth. Well, I just thought there's you know, we've talked a a lot about this day and it was absolutely fantastic, but we haven't talked about the most important bit, and that was that I got turned into a cartoon. Oh yes, oh yeah. Well, well, we had to go to two, two, two versions, didn't we? Because uh, for some reason, the, the first the first draft, um, you, you were a bit Miss Jean Brody, weren't you? I was, I looked a bit like no, I looked looked a bit like a powerful man's secretary, and I thought I thought no, that's not me, that's not me, and so and I very I very feverishly asked Nick if I could be a little bit more punk. <laughs> so so now I, I showed it to somebody. Um, and he said that I looked like a, a slightly kind of rockier version of Velma from Scooby Doo, uh, but I think I think I look like a cross between Velma and Daphne. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can go for that. Vel, Velma was always the one that I thought I ought to. Um, what's the word? Uh, empathise with and feel the, the most in common with. But of course, I always came out for, you know, with looking like Shaggy. <laughs> I, I started to say there were a lot of words you could choose there, and I'm glad you went with empathize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm lo- I'm lost. I really have no idea what you were thinking of. <laughs> and and it says a lot about me, doesn't it, that I want to be a cross between Velma and Daphne. You know, Velma's the one that everybody wants to be friends with, and she's the smart one. And Daphne's the one that everybody wants to go out with. So there you go. That's my teenage years um, encapsulated in a cartoon. Oh, I don't know what I was doing wrong. I just wanted a cool dog. <laughs> oh, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, rem- I remember. I, rem- I remember. This is the old age. <laughs> I remember. I don't know. Back in those days when we had them trim phones. That was it. That was it. I don't remember what had finished, but I just remember the uh, the you know, the advertising card, you know, in the days before they had any decent trailers. The advertising card. And next week on BBC One, uh, we'll be playing Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And I just remember thinking, what a stupid 
stupid title. Uh, We were probably losing wacky races, uh, you know, for that. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be awful. You know, my God, I might even have to go out in the garden and play. uh, (laughs) Uh, Oh my goodness! Didn't didn't we love it? You see, it's it's American culture warping our minds and eating our brains. You're you're all welcome, and just just look at the amazing human beings it's turned you into as adults. So there, there you go. <laughs> now, shall we? As I'm conscious of time, shall we just reiterate um, where anybody that's interested, Danny, would be able to get more information about this event as you continue forward with it. Right. Well, it's already starting. Well, I'll use the word leak out. We're starting to now write up what we've been doing. Uh, there is the grand plan to suing something you know slightly more academic in terms of a paper, um, but already today there's a bit of a write up on LinkedIn um, with you, know, you can find through my through my Twitter feed and my uh, my LinkedIn thing. Uh, so there's an article there. But the idea is that we will we, we are growing this, um, and you know by getting in touch with us, uh, we want to be able to you know run this um, again. Uh, commoditize it productize it or whatever so that more people can uh, can benefit from it uh because you know we've we've done we've done it live we've shown that we can do it online and with having the online package together uh, that means it's more repeatable we've ha- we had to think so much because um this is what suddenly occurred to me at the university we, we did this course that we put together on um you know from cyber criminals to fake news uh, they asked us to uh, myself and uh, professor emma barrett who's our professor of psychology Ecology, uh, security, and trust. Uh, it's, this is what's wonderful at, the, at Manchester. Uh, our cybersecurity activity is led from our School of Social Science. You know, not, oh, not, by, cool. not by cybersecurity geeks like me uh, in, in computer science. Um, so, uh, you know, Emma and I had agreed to put this module together, and you know, we'd been asked for this was our uh, University College of Interdisciplinary Learning, and so it was great. So we had you know psychologists and anthropologists and criminologists and geeky people like me putting all of this stuff together. And when they asked me, you know, I always I'm always rubbish at saying uh, no uh, to th- to things, and I just thought, oh yeah, I'll definitely say yes to this because I've got so much material. And of course, I suddenly realized that all of this material requires on me standing up, uh, waving my arms around. Mm. There was very little which actually stood by itself uh, and would interact um, because of you know other people working on it. So it gave us a great lesson on how to put things on, uh, put things um, effectively online. Uh, and this was a great lesson learned. And should we say, uh, you know, for, for better or worse, it was just in time. Oh, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. So is the best way for people to really just look for you on Twitter, look for you on LinkedIn and, and follow you? Is that the best way for folks? Yeah, to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, until we get to the stage where, you know, it's uh, sort of, you know, I suppose, you know, the downloadable pack, but certainly uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, if, if somebody's got a specific request, uh, absolutely there. I do my best. I try to, when I do do the Twittery bit. I try to make sure that everybody's, you know, at signs and hashtags are suitably included, uh, so that you know if they are interested in a particular a particular part of it. But actually, one thing I was actually thinking about, one thing about you know, save, you know, save a life, save the world. Now, of course, you, I'm sure you planned it this way, not, but um, eighteen is a very significant number in Judaism. Because it's and it's the numerical value of the word chai. You might have heard mm-hmm. you know, people throw the uh, throw, you know throw the glass into the fire. It's a Russian sort of thing, and so and then or, or clink glasses and say lechayim, which means to life. Mm-hmm. The word for life is chai. The numerical value is eighteen. So often, you know, so for example, when I give to charity, uh, if I'm going to give an amount, I will often give an 18 or a multiple of eighteen, uh, and that comes you know time and time again. This this number comes up. So, I planned it that way. Super. I don't know about Beck, but I planned it that way. I was I right there with you. Lachaim, right from the beginning. You. Right from the beginning. I knew this was where we were going. It was meant to be, Danny. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to come chat with us on this most special and auspicious numbered uh, podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, thank you for having me. I've very much enjoyed being your guest, Beck. Thanks very much. Well, I did my best. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's all just be perfectly clear, Vic. You are the best at actually answering and, and asking yourself your own questions. So... <laughs>
that, that's what I do at home all day. Oh, you're not like my friend. Who, you're not like my friend who I went to stay with once. Um, and he said, he kept going on all weekend. He kept saying, oh, I've got the stamp collection, uh, Danny. I must have. And I was thinking, oh, well, hopefully the weekend will go through and he won't show me. Uh, and eventually, so Saturday night, out come these enormous boxes of stamp albums. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll just sit there politely and I'll nod and I won't ask any questions. Uh, so we'll get through them quickly. So he opens the first one and he says to me, well, so Danny, I suppose you're thinking, how did I first get interested <laughs> in stamp collecting? <laughs> 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 and hopefully, which you reminds me, for this podcast. <laughs> no, I was going to say. I hope you don't think we've stopped recording now, Danny. Um, <laughs> so, but on that note, I'm going to finish because I don't think we've had enough Hoovian references. So, I thought you might like to know. I have taken up knitting again. Um, I'm really because I do like using, you know, mindlessly using my fingers rather than my brain. It's it's a very very good exercise for um, people who want to switch off their minds. Um, I've, I'm supposed to be knitting a blanket, but like every single thing I knit, Professor Dresner, yeah. it is turning into a Tom Baker scarf. Ah, so are, can we just get this clear? Are you doing a season fourteen to uh, or sixteen to seventeen or a season eighteen scarf? Because those are three different sorts of scarves. Yes, this is important. <laughs> yes. Oh, you, yes. You've done it now, Vic. You've done it now. <laughs> yeah. Just well, you see. If 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 you just do the short twelve foot one, then you're fine. Um, if you go on to uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, beyond beyond that, in fact, actually, I I must admit, there was a few, a few years ago, I had to chair first time I'd ever chaired. I was on YouTube the night before how to how to chair a debate, chair one of these debates, and it was all about kind of the mo- the morals of using AI in warfare. Um, and <laughs> you know, serious wow. stuff. You know, there were there were military and police and all of these clever people there, and they asked me to chair you know you know chair this house believes and that that house believes and at one point at one point of the uh, of, of the debate uh, someone had got up and they'd made a point and said oh yeah i remember this doctor who episode uh, went and then they went off in a bit i just thought got to be professional not going to comment i know they've got it a bit wrong and then a little bit later on and somebody stands up and says oh i remember that same doctor who episode that that uh, that, that other person mentioned and i just thought we cannot continue so i just said Okay, I know I'm supposed to be impartial, but I do have to make a point of order. You're confusing the Armageddon factor from season seven, uh, 16 with the destiny of the Daleks from season 17. <laughs> At least I got a round of applause. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And this is why you should never try and show Danny your stamp collection. <laughs> That is the best ending of any podcast ever. <laughs> if someone comes in at 50 or like 49, 50 minutes, they're going to think, oh, that was the punchline. I've missed the joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, thank you again, Danny. Absolute pleasure as always. And look forward to seeing uh, more of the, the amazing uh, output from your sessions as you go forward. Thank you very much. It's uh, well, it's, it's been a privilege and Vic must share in the credit because she was there right from the beginning Um, and I think it's true to say we couldn't have done it without you Oh, it was, I I had the most fab time, it's like I say, it's not every day you get turned into Velma Daphne (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, I think we should say goodbye to our dear listeners, thank you for sticking with us through this session (laughs) (laughs) Bye now Goodbye